Welcome to another episode of Make Shit Happen. Today's guest is none other than Ian Park. Ian is a signal fire for the next generation of entrepreneurs. After kickstarting his career in asset management, Ian merged his financial prowess and cultivated his creative ambition, founding multiple successful ventures. He launched his first technology company in 2017, which handled corporate compliance and risk management around background screening for SMEs. Disrupting the disruptors is Ian's approach, inspiring him to found FinPay in 2019. FinPay is a tech-based solution that strives to provide simple, frictionless, and effortless payment methods with an agile global infrastructure. The platform has experienced continual success with Ian at the helm, gaining interest from numerous investors. Ian has been invited to present at the highly renowned Global 2020 Startup Grind in San Francisco and was the winner of the Business News Australia's Young Entrepreneur of 2020 Award in the startup category. With no signs of slowing down, Ian is primed as a major player in the tech world. Welcome to the Make Shit Happen podcast. If you're a business owner or aspiring entrepreneur who is ready to learn how to stop procrastinating and take massive action to start turning your passion into profit today, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Sam McLeod, real estate expert, six-figure coach, and champion athlete. And my goal is to equip you with the exact tools and steps to create massive success today. Let's dive in. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sam, and thank you for having me. Mate, that's quite the intro. I know. Isn't that's... it great when your, your chief of staff writes your bio for you? It just <laughs> makes you sound so much better than what you actually are. That's... But no, she's, uh, she's amazing. That's not the Ian I know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Probably not the Ian that a lot of people know, but yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's certainly uh, uh, an interesting career so far. So, mate, obviously, let's just set the set the stage here. So, Ian and I know each other personally um, for quite some number of years now, back to our younger, da- our younger days. It's nearly a decade. Yeah, it's nearly a decade now, our younger days. Um, where Ian used to actually manage a nightclub and I used to DJ in the nightclub that Ian managed. Yeah, uh, the heyday. <laughs> <laughs> kind of paved the way. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you look back from those days versus to now, completely different. If you said to me 10 years ago, um, Sam, I'm going to get into the tech space, I'd be like, what are you fucking talking about? What do, like, you, what do you know about technology? Yeah, 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 yeah. What do you know about technology? So how did that all, how did that all happen? How did you get into tech and why? Yeah, look, so um, my first tech company um, I founded was was based around risk management and verification. And it came on the back of a very interesting edge case. And it came from my mum's business, actually. And she was a migration agent at the time. And I was, you know, looking at her day-to-day operations, just being curious and, and wanting to learn a little bit about what she actually does. And uh, I noticed it was backlogged with paperwork. I was like, physical documents, you've got to print stuff out. You've got to get it signed. You've got to send it in the mail with postage stamps. I was like, I don't even know anybody that uses a postage stamp now, like heaven forbid, right? Yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. And then I kind of, you know, dug into a really specific part of that business and kind of went, okay, well, why is this so painful? She goes, oh, because we've got to print out these documents. We've got to get a wet signature. We've got to get all these documents corrected, you know, you know, passport, driver's license, everything. And I was like, surely there has to be a digital way to do this. She said, no, there's not. If there was one, I tell you what, you, you have a really great company. And I was like, all right, cool. So I got to work to really understand the flow and information and who goes where and what's going where and why. And it turns out that a lot of these agencies that accept this information want to do it digitally. They've just never really had a means to do it. Lo and behold, there's a young Ian who's keen to, keen to get into this space and really understand it. So 
I built a platform that basically connects and scrapes data across the internet to provide a profile of yourself to a business to make sure that you haven't had, you know, any untoward dealings or issues in your past that would do reputational damage. And we provided that in an easy to digest report to make more informed decisions for SMEs and, and ASX listed companies. So for someone that's listening now that has no idea what an SME is, can you yep. explain that? Small medium enterprise. Small medium enterprise. So it's like uh, not not quite a mum and dad, you know, chip shop, but we're talking, you know, a business of maybe 30 to 40 staff, um, you know, multiple locations, doing multiple, multiple, you know, millions in revenue. So for them, it's pretty important. You know, their their people is probably the cornerstone of their business. They've started off, you know, with a great product or a great business, but then they're growing. Now, what happens when you grow is reputational risk and reputational damage. So how do you mitigate that? You need to have good people working around you. But how do you make sure that those people are reputable? So you need to use a platform like the one that I built so many moons ago. And it was it was a lot of learning. Like, I'm not going to lie. I made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Every mistake I think I made. Like, I'd never realized a 30-day invoice cycle. Like, I didn't even know what that was. I was like, cool, I'm going to get paid tomorrow. It's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't get paid. coming in. Yeah, cash is coming in. Sweet. Been, yeah. a, been a big month. I oh, wait, hold on. You don't get paid for another 30 days after that. And I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. That was, that's, not, that's unexpected. <laughs> so starting a company like this, obviously, this is not something that someone can just wake up tomorrow morning and go, I want to get in the tech space. I want to do this. Like, what, what kind of resources and, and manpower, I guess, did you need to start this business? Yeah, look, going from an idea to a fully functioning product is a lot. Yeah. And, it, and it's, you know, uh, to move that needle takes a lot of grit and determination um, because it's not, it's not easy. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the, the story is, you know, you see the tip of the iceberg, which is the success and the wins and, and, you know, all that fun stuff. But what they don't see is the blood, sweat, tears, broken relationships, fights with your wife because you're working too late. You know, all that, all that stuff that goes into it. And don't get me wrong, I wouldn't change it for the world because it's made me who I am now. Mm. But, um, you know, going... Going out there and really putting your, you know, your balls on the bandsaw, so to speak, and, yeah. and going, cool. I may not, I may not have to, uh, you know, to be able to pay my rent for a month. You know, you need to be really financially set up to do this. Um, so, if we could put a number to that, just so people can understand, like when you say set up, like what in your in your head and from the experience that you've gathered, yeah, what kind of money are you looking at to start a business like this? The well, the, the, the rough kind of equation that we run off is three months of your current salary. Right. So if, once you're making, you know, once you've got three months worth of salary in the bank that you can support your living and your business is generating the equivalent of that, mm. go, go run your business full time. Until that, you, you're taking a gamble. So three months. Okay. So, but let's say someone's having, they're earning five grand a month or some people are earning 20 grand a month or 50 grand a month, 100 grand a month. What what kind of levels are, you, are we looking at here? Like we're we're talking and look, you got to remember, most entrepreneurs start in relatively median income jobs. Um, you don't really find a lot of six figure corporate guys going into the into the tech or startup space because because it's like why do they want to leave that? Why like, would they? Yeah, exactly right. Like, you know, you've got yeah, you've got job security. Um, you know, you, you're getting remunerated well. You've got a good work life balance now. You know, you've you've earned your stripes. So why would you leave it? Not to say that a lot of them don't go to work for tech companies after the fact mm. when they're well capitalized because it's a good good avenue to get in. Um, but particularly for for you know low to median income earners. Um, it just makes sense for them. They're like, cool. Well, you know, the the risk versus reward 
is relatively, you know, neutral um, and I can take the leap. You know, I've got a decent amount of savings behind me. I've thought of a good idea. It's in an MVP stage. It's ready to scale. Let's go. Let's jump out and, and take the leap. And that that is probably the most nerve-wracking part of it all. Like if I looked on it now, you know, I could be in a six-figure corporate job, kicking back. 100%. But I don't take orders well. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. I can't, I can't. I can't do it now, you know. It's, and it's often a, a funny question that my wife poses to me all the time. She's like, do you, think, do you reckon you could go back to a normal job? It's like, no way. Why would you? You have to abide by other people's rules. Oh, and I'd, I'd be too fictitious, right? Mm. I'd, I'd pull their business apart and go, God, you're doing this wrong. And you've got, you've got your own routines as well. Like when you wake up, when you go to bed, the things you do in the morning and the afternoon during the day. And yeah. you know, like if, you, if you, and this is the, I guess, one of the reasons why people do become entrepreneur too, is you, at some point in time down when you said moving the needle at some point in time um, during your journey, you start to get more of your time back in terms mm. of you can choose, pick and choose where you want to spend your time and who you want to spend your time with. Yeah. Um, and, and one point that you did just mention on, and I don't think it's talked enough about is, um, you know, having fights and arguments with your partner when you're trying to build a, a tech company, um, like the one you're building and mm. it's, it's no easy task. And, um, was there specific or types of conversations that you had to had to kind of prime your partner to be ready for what you were going through and what you were going to do? Yeah. And, and look, Kira and I have been married since February, but we've been together for three years. Great and, wedding. Yeah. Fantastic wedding. <laughs> Thank you, Kira, for organizing. Um, I would love to say that I played my part, but I just turned up. Um, but I think the the most important thing you need to realize is that there is a support mechanism for you. Um, you know, it, it, being an entrepreneur and, and getting into business for yourself, whether, and look, whether that's in the tech space or in any other business, yeah. um, it can be a lonely road sometimes. Um, and I think that your partner is the one person who understands you better than anyone else and can lean on you for advice or support, just an ear or a shoulder to cry on. Or, you know, if you want to crack a bottle of wine and just sit there and get hammered, then that's the person you do it with because- they understand you so much better than anyone else. Yeah. And Kira for me has been, I think, influential in the way that I run my company, the the structure that I have now around my life. Cause I used to, you know, go out on a Thursday night. You remember what it was like? Get, <laughs> what do you get, mean? Get what are you rat, talking about? <laughs> get rat get rat shit and, and you know, wake up Friday morning with blurry eyes and a sore head and and stroll into work. But now it's a lot more regimented. And that works across not only my personal but my professional life and the way that I conduct myself. And it's really good. I think it's great. I can't commend her enough for the, for the help and the guidance that she's given me as a person. Because a lot of people would look at um, having a partner or spouse or whatever stage you're at with your relationship as potentially a negative on, on the business in terms of where you need to be spending most of your time. And um, you know, with you, like you've got kids as well. Mm. So you not only do you have your partner, but you've also got the kids and you've got a tech company and you've got people that work underneath you and you've got all these different um, angles that are coming at you for your attention, mm. which leads me to my next question. So with your day-to-day, with your business, you know, your kids, your family, and all the people that need your attention for a specific problem or a need, mm. how, how do you structure your day and what does your day kind of look like from say when you wake up to when you decide to go to bed like does it change or do you have a do, is it very regimented like what does that look like yeah so my so on, on my weekdays on my weekends that's for my family i don't do work i used to i used to be that crazy guy that works seven days a week mm. and and it leads to you not not burning out and not really dedicating your time correctly because you're like you start to move things around your calendar because you can be like oh i don't want to do that right now i'll just move it to saturday 
But you need to need to focus it up and go, cool, Monday to Friday from seven until six, I'm here. This is what I'm doing. My week is structured around business units in my company. So Monday is my management day. So that's where you know my other director and I, we, we basically sit there and go through our management tasks, both from a director level and a C-suite level. Um, we meet with our corporate advisors. We meet with our investors. We do you know all the stuff that needs to be done from a corporate perspective. Tuesday is I, I sit down with my design and my product team. I spend all day with my design and product team going through the designs, understanding the product, UI, UX, asking questions, better understanding where we're going, what we're doing from a roadmap perspective. Wednesday is my marketing and communications day. So I sit down with my my head of my chief of staff, who's also my head of marketing and comms. Mm. And we just spend all day going through all that materials. We have other meetings. We, you know, we do all those types of things. Um, Thursday uh, is the sales, marketing, and revenue. So I sit down with my CRO again. Yep. Assess the pipeline, see what deals in the flow, what commercial contracts are out, what partnerships we're working on, all that stuff. Friday is my tech day. I start with my CTO, work my way down with my technical team, have you know further technical product discussions. Again, and a very that's very regimented. And what I made clear to everyone in my team is I said, this is the way that I work my week. If you want to book time with me, these are the days that you guys can do it on. Mm. Um, and not to say that I'm not flexible, right? Like sometimes things come up. And, you know, yeah, things come up. Exactly right. Shit happens, yeah. right? Um, but generally most of my one-on-ones or my team meetings are aligned in those days to those business units and it works really well because I'm not having, unless it's a dire emergency, I'm not being um, questioned or asked questions around things that can wait for a week. Yeah. Like I've hired the best people in that space to come and work for me, I should have the trust and the understanding that they are doing a great job, which they all are. Um, so they don't have to ask me a question every single day. You can wait a week, if unless it's urgent. So yeah, that's the way I do it and it works really well for me. The other person that does it like that is Jack Dorsey. And he wrote this fantastic piece um, about how he manages Twitter and Square and he's one single guy. And we're talking multi-billion dollar companies, right? Mm. So it was a really good piece and an article to read because it gives you, gives you an understanding of what sort of manager you want to be or CEO or, or C-suite executive. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. And I think you, you, that's a very good point there with you know delegating tasks and having the trust and understanding that your team's going get, to get the job done because mm. that's right, you've put them in that position in the first place. Because you know, being in the in the property development industry myself, a lot of the companies that I work for, I've noticed one clear thing with a lot of people. And and again, this is when people try to do a lot themselves and not learning to delegate certain tasks that they mm. don't need to be doing. Um, you know, whether it's taking a client call or a marketing call or something like that, or you know, you have your like you said you have your tech days and all those sort of things. Um, people really do struggle to push off some of the load and delegate the tasks to get yeah. the things done that you really don't need to do and that's not really going to help you grow your business. Yeah, totally. Because when you're, when you're starting out, it's your baby, right? Yeah. You've put so much effort, you, some of your own money, you know, you've done all these things, some of your friends and family money into it. You, you want to make sure that everything is run to your standard. But what you'll quickly realize is that your company culture and the people that you bring in should emulate you as a human and what your vision what your vision is for the business and they should follow that if they don't then they're not suited to your business mm. you need to you need to think would would this person do that in this situation and if they you know you can test them right um that that provides you insight as to say you're in, this this part of the business is in good hands unless something's dire and like i said it's an emergency cool 
then it's everybody hands on deck. But other than that, it should flow. It should be seamless. And, and to your point about delegation, it took me ages to try and let go of the reins. Yeah. Ages. Yeah. And, and only now in the last like six months, I've really, I've, I'm focusing on the vision and the mission for the company. I'm thinking three to five years. Yeah. I'm not thinking next week, next month. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, going back onto, you know, we introduced FinPay. So for people that are still, I guess, <laughs> understanding, I guess, what exactly FinPay is. Yeah. For me and for my, the, way, the way I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, is similar to like what a PayPal kind of structure and service is, but yours is app-based. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So our mission statement is to turn every mobile phone on the planet into a payment terminal. Right. Yeah, so well, we built technology that allows you to tap a physical or digital card onto the back of an Android phone and take a card payment. Like a like so, a So it's not it's not like actually making a payment, it's taking money. Taking money to your phone. Yeah. So we serve merchants. We oh, don't wow. we don't work in the consumer space. We're we're merchant driven. So one thing that's just popped straight into my head then. So for instance, my partner's business, right? So mm -hmm. she has a terminal that people pay their get rid of that ugly thing. terminal. We can so, just, she can just use her phone. But She's getting charged a thousand dollars a month to have this terminal. Yep, no right? more. Those so, days are gone. <laughs> so, with 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 what you're talking about, welcome to the value that, prop. Does that yeah. eliminate the entire process? Yeah. yeah. Is there it's any cheaper. fees associated? Yeah, there's with like there's obviously merchant fees, right? So yeah. Visa, Mastercard, you know, who are our partners? Those guys charge scheme fees. So they charge, you know, like 0.45 of a basis point. So for every dollar that goes through, they take four and a half cents. Right now. Our, our fees on that, we charge like uh, 0.7. So you're looking at like for every dollar you take, we take 10 cents, um, but we don't charge you leasing fees. We don't charge you ridiculous account keeping fees. We don't do any of that because we're digitally native. We're just an app you download on your phone. You get set up, which takes three minutes. There's no more forms. There's no more going to the branch. There's no more waiting for the thing to come in the mail. We've just removed all of that complexity. So <laughs> Probably a tricky question, but I mean, if you're when you're talking like on a global scale, how do you build something that manages that many transactions every second? Like that, that's yeah, good question. Um, so luckily, my CTO, uh, he's ex American Express, right? So he spent 20 years in card payments. So this guy, Alex, he's a wizard, yeah, like he blows my mind. <laughs> like, you know, I think I'm a smart guy, yeah. He's like Next 10 level. times, yeah, 100 times what I am. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, we're, we're building on infrastructure that's cloud-based. We've got elastic cloud computing. So our system, you know, will have 99.9% .9 uptime, 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Like wow. we're talking, you know, full tilt, billions of dollars flowing through our infrastructure in, in, a, single, in a single day because... From our perspective, the value the value for us doesn't sit in well-established businesses. It sits, or you know, like a McDonald's or something like that. It sits with Joe Plummer or Frank, the furniture mover removal guy. You know, those guys are traditionally used to cash. You know, I'm flat out carrying ten bucks in my wallet anymore. You know, I'm all all card, all digital, all Apple Wallet. How am I supposed to get paid? I'm not going to give the guy my credit card details so he can enter it. I'm just going to go. Well, I'll just tap my card on the back of your phone and you're off. Yeah. But those guys, like that gig economy is massive. You know, it generates something like $156 billion a year. Like it's ridiculous. It's huge. Like, and that's the opportunity that we see, bringing these guys into the digital economy, the digital age. Um, because if nobody does it, then they get left behind. 
So I've got to ask, if, if something, obviously you guys are trying to innovate here and you're trying to do something that's not been done on like a, I guess, a global scale on a, on a BSC level. Mm. Why hasn't someone like American Express or any of the other players out there in the field, why aren't they doing this? Um, because, look, they, they enable a lot of our tech. So, so we work in partnership with them. Now, uh, I guess if you were to look at them, they're, they're one piece of the value chain. Um, there's in, in, in the payments value chain, and a lot of people don't know this, but if you go and pay for your coffee and you tap your cards, six different businesses actually touch that payment to give you the green tick of approval. So yeah, it goes right. to a payment gateway, then it goes to an acquirer, then it goes to um, a merchant bank, then it goes to the card scheme, and then it goes to the issuing bank, and all the way back in milliseconds to say authorized and approved. Sam, you got your coffee, get out. That's fucking crazy. And we're, and this is the thing, right? For us, it's latency, it's speed. Yeah. Like the moment you tap your card, you should be getting that instant, instant approval. You're out the door. You're out. Guy, thanks for coming. Um, so for the scheme, so Visa, MasterCard, and Amex, they're looking at us going, you guys are cloud-driven, you're, you're running your own acquiring, you're running your own gateways, um, you're writing your own code base, you're building your own payment stacks, you guys are fast. All we do is bring the card users to your networks. So it's a very collaborative approach, which is yeah. really good. Yeah. Because to your point, yeah, they could go out and build it tomorrow, but they don't own that front-facing merchant relationship and mm -hmm. they don't want to because it's a lot of work. And they're a pain in the ass. Yeah. But we love them. <laughs> <laughs> they give us money. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So um, getting this started, like I remember when you first told me about this and you went over to Silicon Valley, I think is what you yeah. told me where you went and you went and did some crowdfunding um, yeah. to go get some, some money coming into the business. Um, for someone that might be looking for that opportunity right now, not just in the tech space, but in any space in business that's trying to look for crowdfunding. Yeah. What would be your one piece of advice to them about um, what's the best way to go about funding and trying to get some funding into the business? Yeah. Look, um, and we've if you know if you're only if you're following what's happening in the public market space at the moment, it's a bit of a bloodbath. Um, you know, if you rewind twelve months ago, um, you know there were companies out there raising hundreds of millions of dollars on crazy valuations that weren't profitable. It was grow, like grow, grow. You just burn cash, so you're growing. Now, thanks to the correction, and look, it, it's it's a correction for good, right? Mm. It, it, it really, inflation is bad and, and, you know, interest rates and all that stuff, it, it hurts a lot of people, but particularly in, in businesses raising money, it brings you back down to earth. Mm. Um, it makes you focus on your fundamentals um, and investors look at that. So what I mean by that is I'm saying, what, what, are, your, what are your costs? Um, what's your path to profitability? Because any investor that puts money into a business, they're expecting a return at some stage. You know, whether it's two, five, or ten years, whatever the event horizon is, they'll expect to to double, triple, or ten times their money. You know, that's why they invest. Um, so my my key piece of advice is um, again, have a bit of grit. You know, I've met with thousands of investors. Like I've got a CRM with thousands of names in it that I met with all of them. And get used to hearing no, or you're not quite ready for us, or it's a really great business, but we're not quite sure. But with that being said, there is a very select group that will understand your business. They'll understand you. They like you. They like you as a founder um, and they believe in you because believe it or not, in the early stages, it's not about the tech. It's not about the market. It's about you as a founder. You know, 
um, what's your path to entering the business full-time is what I heard a lot. Well, when we get to this metric, okay, great. So you, you're committed to that. Yep, 100%. Okay, would this capital accelerate you to get there? Yes, it would. Awesome. Okay, then I understand. You're needing this capital, not so you can make a big fat salary, so you can leave your, business, your other job full-time to come into this or grow and bring on other team members. And then it shifts from being you as a solo founder to your team. Because your team is the one that drives the product, it drives the team, it drives sales, drives revenue, it drives everything. On the outside, you're a product. You can sell a product, but it's about who's selling it. How do they understand it? Those type of metrics are really important. And in regards to how you raise capital, LinkedIn. Yep. We are in the best digital age to raise money. Yep. Um, you know, investors won't be shy of hearing a pitch. Uh, if anything, they might say, oh, it's not for us, but I do know someone that I can put you in touch with. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of not, not necessarily, did you steer away from the banks completely? Yeah, well, see, we, how do I put this? We don't quite serve the incumbent market very well. Mm. Um, not to say that we can't, but it, it's not really our vertical. We're there to, to provide financial inclusion and assistance. And not to say that the banks don't do that at all, but it's a very different value proposition for them. We almost just become a tech provider, whereas we want to own, own, nurture and navigate that merchant relationship ourselves because we think there's a lot more value add that we can bring to the table. Mm. 100%. So is this live now, this product? Not yet. It's due for, due for launch later this year. So it's in a beta in a beta at the moment um, with a very select group of merchants that we've, we've picked. Um, but we're, we're scheduled for a really exciting global rollout. So we're talking Australia, Europe, and the US in kind of a quarter. No, so that's, that's fantastic. That's yeah, awesome. it's really exciting. It's nerve wracking. <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't get me wrong, is, mate. But yeah, you know, that's how it starts. And I think you're going to kill it, mate. To be quite honest. Um, look, I just want to ask you a couple more questions too, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. With with, let's go back to the entrepreneurial, I guess, level and, and mindset. If you were to speak to twenty year old Ian. Oh God! And you were to, <laughs> just imagine that. Cut, just cut picture your, that. Cut your hair. <laughs> the first one <laughs> if I'd you say. Were to talk to twenty-year-old Ian today. Yeah. What would be your one piece of advice to your twenty-year-old younger self to evolve as quick? Because one thing I'm noticing with a lot of younger people that are looking for the pathway and are looking for, I guess, the vehicle to take them from where they are to say two, three, four levels above where they are now. Not just from a not just from a monetary perspective, but from a mindset perspective, um, that they're not sure. And there's there's a million different things that is being thrown in front of their faces, from mm. you know Bitcoin to property to um, you know online businesses and all these different things. So, what would be your, I guess, piece of advice to your twenty year old self? Hard work makes you wealthy, both inside and out. Um, you know the get rich quick scheme. You know, look crypto traders and you know this and that and look all, all good for them but we've only had to see what happened with crypto winner and all that stuff yeah got clean wiped off the map yeah um and, and you know that's really sad because some people lost a lot of money and a lot of their you know savings um but do your research and and hard work makes you rich inside and out you know i i live a very happy life now like in my 20s i was a mess like i'll be honest you know like i was Drinking, partying, you know, working a shitty job. Not saying that my job was shitty, but it was a shitty job back then now that I look back on it. But it got me to where I was and, and allowed me to, to really look internally and about where I wanted to do and what made me happy. And now I've got 
a beautiful little well, a beautiful stepdaughter who's you know 15 drives me nuts but she's awesome uh, i've got a little boy at home who's nine months old and i've got another one on the way mm. i've got a beautiful wife um, i live in a nice house i drive a nice car you know i'm spend more time with my parents now because i'm appreciative of what they do for me and what they did for me you know it hard work gets you there because it's you understand the appreciation that others have put into you as a human so yeah it, it's it's not easy but it's it's rewarding 110 percent rewarding and um that's, that's some pretty good advice sir so you guys <laughs> take note of that um one last thing with finpay and uh, all the things that you're working on now what would you say is probably the most exciting thing you're working on for this year oh yeah look um professionally uh finpay going live in the market yep. because that's that's been three years of our team's hard work um and you know I'll, I'll say off the record that there's some really exciting stuff we've got planned for that product um to to not only geographically but but innovation and, and functionality wise like our roadmap is really impressive and it's really really exciting which is why you know our investors like us the market likes us our perception is great um personally i'm welcoming welcoming another little boy to the world in december hey, yeah congrats, so mate. ollie's awesome. ollie's having a little brother and ollie has got you know now two little boys to to keep her yeah. on her toes um you know so i'm really looking forward to to watching ollie grow up um you know really watching welcoming the the new baby to the world um spending more time with my amazing wife and then you know my my stepdaughter so you know it, it's it's good to have work-life balance too don't don't focus on your business 100 don't forget you know you've got family and friends who love and care about you because they're the ones you lean on when it all goes to shit. 100 <laughs> <laughs> percent um mate you're an absolute inspiration thank you so much for coming on the show ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna start calling you the fintech king now oh. fintech king ian park thank you so much for coming on man thanks appreciate guys it. appreciate it thank you for listening hopefully you've learned something from today's episode and know the next steps to focus on in your business want more resources to jumpstart your journey click the link in the show notes to see what else i have to offer and book a call with myself to jumpstart your business and make shit happen. I specialize in helping people turn their passion into six-figure businesses to replace your nine-to-five through online education and high-ticket coaching. If this is something that interests you, you can reach out to me through any of my social media outlets in the description below.